listening to Big Sore Natural. I don't want smoke, I just want smoke. 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 When I'm smoking greens, cause I'm on your team. When I smoke the sea, cause I'm such a team. High as a kite, smoking Walter White. When I smoke the blue and I smoke the purple. Smoking on the blunt, cause I wanna run. Smoking on the green, cause it makes me lean. Smoking on the ground, I smoke and scream. When I hit the blunt, it's a click of cut. When I hit the blunt, I get fuck. When I hit the blunt, I don't give a fuck. I don't want smoke, I just want smoke. Happy Halloween, prayer ghosts. <laughs> and pay goblins. True. Uh, yeah. <laughs> welcome to the Halloween episode of Big Soy Naturals. Welcome, welcome. We have um, a lot of true stories to share. Yes. Um, and I have a story myself that I'd like to share with you. Um, oh. I haven't talked about this before because it's pretty scary. And I just don't always know if like people are like ready to receive you know, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's a scary thing. I don't know how to explain it. It did happen to me though. Um, okay. but I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes <laughs> yeah. beheld an eerie sight for my uh-huh. monster from this lab <laughs> began to rise mm-hmm. and suddenly to my surprise, he did the mash. It was wow. a graveyard smash. Oh my god. It caught on in a flash. <sighs> he did the monster mash. And then no. from my laboratory to the castle east to the mastery bedroom where the vampires feast, the ghouls came all from their humble abodes uh, to get a jolt from my electrodes. And they did, oh. the ma- they did the mash. Oh my god. Yeah, it was really scary. That must have been so traumatic. It was horrifying. Um mm-hmm. Definitely beats out the cult meeting that I went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, scarier than the any queer polycule house that I've ever lived in. Um, maybe on par with the time that uh, agents from the intellectual dark web um, visited my home. Um, a little bit less scary than getting photographed mm-hmm. by the New York Times. But... <laughs> There's just no, there's nothing like the monster mash. No, I mean I've I've heard the legends. I didn't know that they were true. Like Jesus, yes. what a, what a terrible time. I speaking of polycules, the scary thing that I witnessed was um, a giant polycule on the dance floor at a pinball bar. Um, okay, Kendall. Kendall. <laughs> You live in Portland. I know. I you know. You went to a pinball bar. And then I know. you saw people that are poly? Yeah, but the Shocking. thing is is that one of them, one of them, the reveal is one of them, you know, they they were wearing a lizard costume and an Alex Jones was right t-shirt. And that stunned me. Well, that that they were probably like, "Oh, this is so scary." Like Nothing scarier I, than it did. It did frighten me. It did frighten mm-hmm. me. Um, I my biggest regret is I did not cold clock them that night. As um, what? Just like 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 give them a good smack. Oh, clock 
like punch. Yeah. I thought you yeah. meant that you were going to clock them. No, like, no, cold as... clock. Cold <laughs> clock. <laughs> what, what identity? <laughs> cold clock, not hot clock. Um. <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? Do I believe in ghosts? Here's the thing. Um, I am vehemently agnostic. So it's like I... Well, don't necessarily believe in ghosts but am i gonna tempt the fates absolutely not i'm not gonna fall into the cliche if someone's like hey my great grandma said that in her will that i can own this spooky victorian mansion if i just stay in it with my friends for one night and she named all of you by name i like i don't know if i would frankly i'm not the one getting the mansion Free house, though. I would help my friends get a free house. Like, that's communism. Mm -hmm. And then I would have a free place to stay, which is mutual aid. So do you think you could fight off the ghosts is what I'm asking? I think that I could organize them. Okay. And I think that, like, the ghosts and I would work together um, and we would find a more worthy target for their ire. Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel like... I hope that ghosts are real so that I can come back as a ghost because I already like enact revenge on people like on a regular basis, but I'm limited by my uh, corporeal form um, with the extent of the revenge that I can enact and, and uh, the shapes in which that revenge takes. But if I was released from the limits of my physical body i could i could do a lot you could do a lot you could do a lot i i think what i would do as a ghost is i would um like we're going by like old school ghost rules here i assume so like i would like possess different objects and stuff and make them float around um but i'd specifically want to make them like dance like i want them to do Fortnite dances i'd make a lamp hit the gritty Mm mm-hmm I think that'd be fun. So today, listeners, friends, ghost believers, ghost deniers, we're doing something fun um, and also something spooky um, on this very day, Halloween proper, not Halloween Eve or Halloween uh, Weekend. Eve, Eve. Yeah, Halloween fucking proper. Cause this is Big Soy Naturals. Um, and we have a number of true and fake spooky stories to share with you. Um, The first is, uh, are you familiar with the tale, The Monkey's Paw? I am familiar with the tale, The Monkey's Paw. Um, It's it's very spooky. How does it go? Um, Well, usually what happens is that the monkey, there's like a several monkey's paw different tales, I think. And like the idea is that a monkey's paw, like when you wish on it, it gives you, it grants you the wish, but always with like a caveat, um, like a little trick. I think that there's one monkey's paw tale, but then the monkey's paw has become sort of a a motif. Yeah, yeah. And the story of the monkey's paw according to Wikipedia, I did, I have read it before, but it's, you know, it's like, it's like nine pages long. We're not going to read that mm-hmm. to you, but it's about Mr. and Mrs. White and their grown son, Herbert. Not a great name for your kid. Um, mm. 
and Sergeant Major Morris, who served in the British Army in India. So you know that they are a, what's the word, Kendall? Colonist. <laughs> yes, they yeah. are an agent of the imperialist state. And, they, and this guy comes to dinner and gives them a mummified monkey's paw um, and says that there's a spell on it that um, like they can get three wishes, but there's going to be consequences if they give out, if they, you know, um, make their wishes and that they like yeah. will have to be punished for tampering with fate. Um, and the reason that this guy is even like giving away the pause because like he didn't have a good time with it. So I'm not really sure like why he would bring it to dinner and is like, Hey, look, like, <laughs> this thing fucked Maybe he up fucking my life. hated them. Yeah, um, <laughs> British people tend to hate each other. And like. so then, Mister White, he takes the paw um, out of the fire because Mister Morris has thrown it into the fire. He's like, "This thing sucks so much." And Mister Morris is like, "Well, watch out uh, for when you use it. It's going to be bad." And Mister White doesn't listen. And he uses the paw first to just ask for $200, which, like, I mean, I don't know. This was written in, like, the early 1900s. That's, like, what, a thousand? Um, I think. Like, I around a thousand, maybe more. I could use a thousand dollars. So, I get mm-hmm. it. I guess I would make a wish also for a thousand dollars. And the next day, like... Um, Mr. White drops the the paw in surprise. He claims it moved and twisted like uh, like a snake. And the next day, Herbert, their son, leaves for work. And that night, an employee arrives at the White's home and tells him that Herbert was killed in a terrible machine accident that mutilated his body. The company denies any responsibility for the incident, makes a payment of $200. So it's like, you know... Uh-huh. You thought. Trick ya. So yeah. the, I think the moral of the monkey's paw story is like don't invite military officers to your house. Um <laughs> like don't plunder. Don't invite military officers to your house and especially don't invite guys who bring dead animal parts. Well yeah, yeah, don't to, plunder to your home. India for like it's it's wonders and then use them to make wishes on them um and like maybe give give the monkey back its paw um i think that it probably could all be solved by using better wording but anyway Mm -hmm. our friend austin from gorilla radio show um found the ending of the story we thought we thought that we knew the ending but we didn't there's more (laughs) (laughs) uh and and he he sent it to us and so that's our first um scary story for everyone to listen to yeah roll tape mr white was on his hands and knees groping wildly on the floor in search of the paw If only he could find it before the thing outside got in. A perfect fusillade of knocks reverberated through the house, and he heard the scraping of a chair as his wife put it down in the passage against the door. He heard the creaking of the bolt as it came slowly back, 
and at the same moment he found the monkey's paw and frantically breathed his third and last wish. The knocking ceased suddenly, although the echoes of it were still in the house. He heard the chair drawn back, and the door opened. At the door was not their dear son Herbert, but rather a very cool chimpanzee. He had on Gucci goggles with the Louis belt and was honestly looking kind of fresh with it. Okay, said Mr. White. This isn't that bad, actually. Honey, are you seeing this shit? I am, said his wife. Did you wish for a monkey? Is that bad? He replied. Before she could answer, the ape swaggered into the building. Do you guys have any bud? Puzzled the inquisitive monkey. Oh shit, he can talk. This rocks, actually, exclaimed Mrs. White. Hubert, which is the chimp's name now, swiped open the pantry with one furious motion, supreme dog tags jingling in his wake. Before him stood the standard contents of an early 20th century pantry, or whatever century the story was wrote in, <laughs> such as unleavened wheat, three bundles of parsnip, a hand-craked contraption that produces racist images, and a pill bottle of black tar heroin labeled cough syrup. Let me do you a favor and break out that Zaza for you, brother. Forget all about that whole dead son shit, spoke Hubert. He kicked back on their black leather futon and quickly made himself comfortable in the White's living room. Backwoods were rolled with stunning dexterity, and smoke tricks that haven't even been invented yet were on display in front of their very eyes. They may not have had their son back, but this was pretty much a net positive. As the man and his wife joined their new, better son for an impromptu smoke sesh, Sergeant Major Morris's warnings echoed faintly in the darkness of his inebriated mind. The hours passed quickly, and those hours soon turned into days, weeks, until finally months had passed, and their epic simian friend Hubert was really starting to overstay his welcome. Mrs. White waded through a minefield of discarded banana peels that had somehow been used for self-stimulation. Darling, she said calmly, I think it's time we asked for your friend if he has a more permanent place to stay. We've been over this, babe, he replied tersely. Hubert is starting his own monkey business. He just needs a couple more angel investors before he can file for an LLC. I'm sick of hearing about Hubert's banana coin startup, snapped his wife. I've had it up to here with this shit. He just smokes all of our weed and listens to that damn podcast all day, she continued. Every time I ask him to do the dishes, he just brings up his ADHD again and threatens to start a GoFundMe to leave an abusive housing situation. Mr. White was stunned. Either the monkey goes, or I leave. And with that, she stormed out of the house, rattling the Ruth Bader Ginsburg boss bitch mugs with the slam of a door. White didn't know what to do. He pondered for hours, sending telegrams to his loving wife, who responded only with K, period, stop. With nowhere else to turn, Mr. White posted a thread on r slash relationship advice titled, My 50M, wife of 10 years, 24F, threatened to leave me if I don't kick out my unemployed monkey best friend. The top response, with 700 upvotes and three of the Wholesome Seal Awards, read simply, NTA, dump her. That night, Mr. White had made his decision. He told Mrs. White that the monkey was way cooler and that she was honestly low-key being toxic and clingy as fuck and he needed a six-month break where they weren't exclusive but still down to fuck whenever. 
With tears in her eyes, his now ex-wife left and took the racism machine in the divorce. After an emotionally exhausting breakup, Mr. White walked through the front door of his housing co-op, eager to spend time with his platonic homie life partner. To his shock, however, in the living room, there was nothing to be found save for a warm indent ass print on the cushion where Hubert once sat. Glancing around, he saw that all of the hilarious monkey-related objects that they had done bits with over the last several months were packed and gone. In their place, a loose-leaf paper was stapled into the drywall with a brief, handwritten note. Saw your thread, brother. I'm not a monkey, I'm an ape. It's a completely separate thing. Need some time alone to think. Signed, H. At this, Mr. White fell to his knees and collapsed. Without his wife or his ape friend, he was lost in the world. He had nothing. In the end, this was the true curse of the monkey's paw. The end. So what I get from this story, the real moral of the monkey's paw is that you should uh, always give a monkey weed when he asks for it um yes and to be careful um and be grateful for your monkey friends because one day they could leave you yeah yeah um i think that really like that's probably true for any friends Mm -hmm. um give give them treats give them weed be nice to them I actually don't. I think maybe we should make weed be illegal. Mm, mm. Just <laughs> Interesting. It, it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> it makes me nervous. So, so, so because you can't be included in uh, smoking reefer, uh, you would like it to be banned. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, okay, so very spooky story. I yeah. Great work austin of guerrilla radio shows i was so scared i was trembling i was hiding under my blankets i was (laughs) shivering just going there is a chill up my spine which is how i feel every time i listen to guerrilla radio show um (laughs) i'm always so scared and i never know what's gonna be around the corner um if you liked that maybe go listen to guerrilla radio show um Mm -hmm. Maybe go follow Austin. Yeah. Piss Vortex on Twitter and on Tumblr. Um, so I know that we said that we're going to read scary stories. We're going to share scary stories that we found. But um, I feel like I want to share this letter. This oh. email. This email that okay. I got. Because I feel like it... It just... It, it captured my attention. Um, and I want to address... I think some of the claims that are made in here, this doesn't actually seem to have anything to do. It was addressed to me, um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem to have anything to do with Big Soy Naturals. And it's oh. more about like my hmm. work um, as a racial equity consultant for SpaceX. Right. Um, right. Your and, less your your job after Quibi. I forgot. Yeah, and so I. Um, I think I just want to share with our listeners like sort of like what I do when I'm not doing the podcast um, and what people have taken from it. So this woman um, 
who doesn't name herself. Um, so she, she says, Dear Cerise, thank you for giving me, a white woman, the opportunity to email you. It's hard for me, as a white woman, to challenge any bi person of color's lived experience, so I hope that you are able to take with take this with the respect that I mean to convey. I am absolutely committed to calling out power and white privilege wherever I see it, and I hope that you don't doubt that. This Thanksgiving past, I started a total of three fights with disrespectful members of my extended family. As a white woman, I am ashamed to admit that I had multiple family members who are of cop-adjacent experience. Of course, they are very nice people, but there is also the institutional racism to contend with and the police brutality issue and so on. Anyway, I'm going off track and I know it is a microaggression to waste the time of a biopic person of color, or it might be a macroaggression, to be completely honest, I am not sure the difference. And I know Google is free, and I don't expect you to give me free labor to, it, to me by explaining, but even Google hasn't helped me understand. Anyway, sorry again. The reason I am emailing is because, as you might know, the company of which I am a vice president of Amazon has contracted you for racial equity consulting which I am very excited about. But please don't get me wrong. As much as I would like your insight on how to um, progressively union bust, I have some misgivings about racial equity consulting because of a past experience. I'm going to say, about two years ago, a couple of my girlfriends, as in friends, we are all straight, although we have nothing but respect for the LGBTQ plus community, and I decided that it would be a good idea for us to take some racial equity training. As you might remember, not my president, 45 Drumpf, was in office. Not that I'm assuming you don't remember, I'm just giving some context. Sorry if it seems like I'm white-splaining. And we were just really starting to get tired of the whole racism issue. I mean, we were starting to get tired of racism. It seemed like Obama had put it away only for a few years just for Trump to bring it all back up again. As a white woman, it made me sick. I mean, it makes me sick. Obviously, the issue is still happening. As a property owner and an investor and a white woman, I thought it was especially important for me to be aware of how I could be impacting racism for potential tenants. And when I sometimes have to evict people, I don't want to evict them in a bigoted way. I brought these concerns to these two coordinators from an organization called Race to Dinner, Regina Jackson and Syra Rowe, who acknowledged that they were valid and agreed to set up a dinner with myself and my friends, charging us 2K a piece. I made the mistake of asking where this money was going, why we were being charged so much for a two hour dinner, and afterwards I received this reply. It is incredibly racist and harmful of you to have any qualms about spending your money on women of color. Your money should have been theirs in the first place. And if you aren't interested in giving to it to the women who rightfully deserve it, who, which you should consider both payment for the emotional labor they are already doing by instructing me to write you this email and a payment of reparations, then you may be too problematic to engage in this work. In solidarity, the resident white woman. Needless to say, 
I didn't want to be considered too problematic, so I handed over my money. It wasn't a huge hardship, of course, although I was initially reluctant about paying it, probably because of my internalized racism, but I just increased all of my tenants' rent by $50 to cover my portion. It took some time to get the meeting set up, and whenever I requested a, tier, a clearer timeline, it was I was told that it was um, white supremacist of me to expect Regina and Syra to run on my white woman time, which was true, of course. Eventually, we had a date set up, and we were all told to come prepared by reading White Fragility beforehand. I did so, and I enjoyed the book very much. Thinking of myself as just fragile rather than racist has helped me not have such hurt feelings when I am called in. The dinner was, well, painful, to say the least. I had to recount many painful stories from my past of evicting black tenants, which made me feel really bad. But together we worked on a plan to keep the financial barriers to renting high enough that it would be less likely that I would need to evict anyone. My friends shared with me their experiences um, and the difficulties that they have run into with their husbands who used to support Donald Trump. The solution that we worked out together is for the husband to sometimes display a Donald Trump sign or a sign with other conservative signaling um, with the sign accompanying his and perhaps a Kamala Harris sign who in 2018, when this dinner took place, we all thought would be the presidential nominee um, with maybe an accompanying sign that says hers as a form of resistance. During the dinner, we were asked to slash our hands with steak knives and press our palms together. I didn't think much of it, or, well, I didn't want to think much of it because it might have been like an African ritual or something. We pressed our palms together and we chanted aloud, I vow to sit in my discomfort as a white woman from this day on. While it was difficult to think about the ways that I, as a white woman, have perpetuated uh, from racism myself, or sorry, have perpetuated racism and benefited from it myself. I think I also benefited a lot from this session. I think I learned and grew as a person. Unfortunately, something else happened to me after. You might have noticed that I used the phrase I, as a white woman, a lot. Well, there's a reason for that. And I have to confess, I didn't actually want to start, start any fights with my cop-adjacent family members. But ever since that dinner, I, as a white woman, cannot help but start most sentences that way. And any time I hear something which might be racist, it's like a spirit takes over my body and makes me start an argument. I had to delete my Facebook account and get off Instagram. Each day, and I have no recollection of doing this, I tweet, give your money to black women, and I tag my friends in it. I hope you don't think it's problematic of me to not want to continue this behavior further. I do not want to I do want to be anti-racist, but I also feel like I am possessed. It is for this reason that I, as a white woman, ask to please be exempted from your racial equity training. That wow. Wow. Scary. I'm st I'm stunned. But this what is a scary um, experience. Basically, what I do when I'm not mm -hmm. recording the podcast, I'm, I right. I was not the one that possessed this lady, but I will be um, conducting a training with the Amazon higher ups um, in the coming weeks 
about I, I, this woman called it union busting. That's not what I would call it. I would call it organizing workers, um, but for uh, the purposes of capital, which like there's nothing wrong with that. In some ways, that can be empowering. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like yeah, I think that I think that <laughs> sorry, <I'm> just... <laughs> it's just okay. It's just... <laughs> I oh my god. <laughs> it's a very powerful thing that you're doing i think you're you're bringing a lot of change into the world um How and i'm sure the come? people like i'm i you know i i just you've not come to one of my trainings anytime i try to put on a big soy naturals I'm, equity summit it's just uh, me there uh, <laughs> um uh, uh uh you know i'm just i'm very busy uh <laughs> You know, I, I I've gone to I, I've gone to so many um, mm. that at this point it, it it almost feels moot. You know, I've I've achieved <laughs> so much. I see. I've what overcome so much fragility. Um, I you know I did a popcorn reading of white fragility. Um, <laughs> I've you know I've 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 slain demons inside of the um the all-white queer gatherings oh. i've done a lot you know um we you know we do the best that we can <laughs> here at big soy naturals do you ever fight your family members at thanksgiving oh all the time yeah. oh all the time can we get like a greatest hits list um let's see uh i have um you know uh given a pile driver to my uncle um for saying that like anderson cooper looked a little fruity i've um you know come at my grandfather with the steel chair in uh you know like like kind of like in wrestling um for uh complaining about affirmative action um and i fought my mom on numerous occasions Mm. um you know, too many to list. The horse or affirmative action? Affirmative action, the thing. Um, okay. The horse. The horse was actually in mem- in you know memoriam. I-, I named him that in memoriam of that event specifically. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were killed by your horse affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, we've come full circle here. Um, so the next story, we do something. We did something that podcasters like to do from time to time which is just like pull content directly from reddit um and then read it aloud so um this is from r slash creepypasta maybe you'll recognize it it's written by someone uh who called themselves the marvel maniac um so i think yeah i'll just you know i'm just gonna share it this is this counts as content. Maybe, maybe we cribbed it from Reddit. Okay. Hey, r slash creepypasta. I'm posting here because, frankly, I don't know who else to turn to. The events that have transpired in my life over the past few days have been so devastating and so strange. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me explain. It all started three days ago. 
I was browsing my YouTube mobile app homepage, one of those classic stupors of indecision, where none of the recommended videos felt quite interesting enough to click on. I must have pressed on at least 100 different videos, such as Breaking Bad, Season 4 Ending Explained, Minecraft Speedrun Genocide Percentage World Record, The Hidden Meaning of Bong John Ho's Masterpiece Parasite, Trying 10 Thai Snacks from the Convenience Store, Breaking Bad, Season 1 Recap, The Hidden Meaning of Breaking Bad, Anti-Feminist Allegory, My Thoughts on Burger King's Brand New Suck and Fuck Chicken Sandwich, Saboteurs in the Imperial Core, A Breaking Bad Analysis, How to Make a, ter a Terrorist Car Bomb Cocktail, Home Pro Expert, Eating live seafood at Malaysia Street Market. Making 10 homeless guys compete for $50,000. Gone wrong? Gone sexual? Breaking Bad. Every racial slur. Full series compilation. And so on. Normally, I would have happily clicked on at least one of those videos, but something just felt off that day, which is what brought me to the very bottom of my YouTube mobile homepage, a place I had never been before. In fact, if you asked me a week ago, I would have insisted with great certainty that the YouTube mobile app homepage doesn't have a bottom. It just goes on forever. In any case, I couldn't deny the fact that I had reached a point where I could no longer scroll and only one video remained. However, something felt off about this one. A few things stood out to me immediately and put me on edge. The video was apparently a Marvel fan doing a live reaction to the trailer for the Adventures movies. Now, I'm far from a diehard Marvel fan, as I've had my displeasure of watching more than my fair share of their SJW pandering crap over the years, but surely if they had announced a new Adventures movie, let alone released a full-on trailer for it. Well, I would have heard about it. As if that wasn't enough to set off alarm bells that something else was off about this video. The next thing I noticed was the thumbnail. It was set up in such a way as to indicate that the person who runs this channel was one of those VTubers. You know, the people who speak to their viewers through virtual avatars of kawaii anime girls or gorillas who are always 100% of the time to be implied of legal age to consent to sexual intercourse? Yeah. This guy was a VTuber, all right. All, only his anime, or his avatar wasn't an anime girl. It was a fully rendered 3D model of a Soyjack wearing a Marvel shirt. I was instantly like, what the fuck? Does YouTube think I'm gay? And also a Marvel fan Soyboy? The final nail in the coffin of something feeling off was the apparent title of the new Marvel movie. According to this movie, the new adventure movie would be called The Avengers 5 Reparations. Now, at this point, I was just about freaking losing my shit. Was the implication of this new Marvel title meant to imply that the adventures, the freaking heroes of planet Earth, should owe reparations to some quote-unquote historically persecuted group? It was then that I knew that I would have to watch this damn thing and at least get to the bottom of all this crap. Hell, at least I found something to watch on my YouTube. 
as soon as the video started, I realized that something was off. The Soyjack VTuber avatar immediately appeared in the bottom left corner of the screen, mouth characteristically agape, and eyes classically glazed over due to soy poisoning. The screen was black before the trailer even started. This guy was squeeing hard as fuck. Only something about his voice was off. He sounded like a damn preschooler, all giddy on the playground after eating too much candy and getting all hyper, smoking freaking crack. As the trailer began, the squeeing somehow intensified. I tried to turn down the volume on my headphones, but no matter how many times I pressed the volume down button, nothing seemed to change. It was at this point that I realized something about this entire situation felt off. The trailer proceeded to be a scene of Thorn, the Asgardian hero, sitting behind a podium in what appeared to be a courtroom. It looked like he was bound by heavy chains. He hung his head solemnly as he spoke. Your honor and the transgenders of the courtroom, I would like to plead guilty to the crime of being a mayo boy cis-cuck heteronormative piece of literal trash. Upon hearing these words leave Boar's mouth, I felt my whole body freeze. A shiver ran down my spine. Is this really what the new Marvel movies look like? Is this what the rampant wokest indoctrination has led to? Before I could muster another thought, I became painfully aware of the Soyjack on the screen. His horrible, virtual body wriggling and squirming in delight. Presently screeching. That's freaking gore in there from the movie. From Adventures of the, Cal uh, of the Galaxies. And he's doing a hecking accountability. Gah! How disgusting. This freaky, degenerate little creature was actually celebrating this degenerate freaking crap. The screen then rapidly cut to a shot of a gavel striking the podium. As it struck the wooden surface with a bang, a spotlight shined on the wall, revealing a silhouette of a sword, only now he was hanging in a noose by his neck. Once this appeared on the screen, the Swayjack cheered and hooted and hollered. Throughout the commotion, I was able to make some of the words carved into the handle of the gavel. They read, Deep State Agenda. My whole body shivered so hard that I nearly puked. Something about this scene felt off. The video continued on in much the same fashion. Iron Guy, Quick Shot, The Human Beast, Mr. Plasma, The Invisible Bomb, The Human Car, Captain France. One by one, each of the superheroes of the adventures appeared in the courtroom, confessing to their so-called crimes of being white and straight and cisgender and they were all then sentenced to death by the unseen judge, while the wretched Soyjack screeched in pure ecstasy. At a certain point, I realized that something was... off. I decided to scroll the comments to make sure that I wasn't going crazy and that people agreed with me. I was relieved to find that by and large, the comments from the video reflected my general takeaways from this new Marvel trailer that it was a bunch of wokeism garbage with freaking Mary Sue's and anti-intellectualism to boot. However, something about the comments was off. 
I noticed that even though the video only had several hundred views, each and every negative comment had received hundreds of thousands of downloads. How is this possible? I also quickly realized that on every single negative comment, a reply was posted by the channel The Marble Maniac. Though I hesitated to open up any of these replies, curiosity eventually got the best of me. These reply comments felt off. In each of them, the Marble Maniac would refer to the original commenter using some total soycock insults straight from freaking Tumblr 2014. As if this wasn't bad enough, he would then proceed to post addresses, full names, employment information, all presumably associated with the commenter he was replying to. The Marble Maniac was doxing all of his critics. Free speech be damned. Perhaps foolishly, I decided that I would give this woke scum bug man a piece of my mind. I spent about 20 minutes coming up with the most effective series of slurs to use on this despicable creature. Then, I laid into his ass with a multi-paragraph comment and told him just what I thought about the woke, moralist crapshoot that this new freaking Tumblr-ass um, Tumblr Marvel trailer was. As I hit post, I felt my stomach drop. In that same exact instant, without even a moment of time passing, his reply had been posted. He called me a Scorsesius literally trash dumpster, and then posted my entire full name, address, and employer. And actually, okay, he didn't post my employers. I am currently unemployed, but still the rest is true. Even though this shouldn't have come as a surprise to me, I felt shocked, exposed, vulnerable. After a few seconds that somehow felt like hours, all of the electricity in my house instantly shut off. I was so shocked and confused that I didn't even notice that my phone had shut off too. Something about the power going out spontaneously and my phone shutting off at the same time felt really off. After a few minutes that felt like hours passed, the power in my house suddenly came back on and my phone powered on at the exact same time. I instinct instinctively opened up my YouTube app and navigated to my viewing history. Only, something about my viewing history felt off. The Marvel Maniac Fi uh, Adventure 5 reaction video was nowhere to be seen. Even more concerning, no matter how many times I put Adventures 5 trailer into the YouTube search bar, I couldn't find anything else about this supposed new Marvel movie. Sure, the Marvel Maniac could have deleted his video, and the supposed trailer he was reacting to could very well have been a fan edit, but the entire trailer looked so real, so accurate. It even had a distinct Marvel colored palette of various shades of different gray. It felt too accurate to be fake. All of that happened three days ago, and while nothing horrible has happened to me just yet, things just feel sort of off. I can't get over the feeling that I'm in danger, that something is coming after me, that I'll be the next helpless victim of the woke moralist deep state. Even worse, I keep feeling like I can hear a subtle squeeing sound in the distance. Even more worse, it feels like it's getting louder every second. Wow, that was off. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. I would hate to see 
Thorn from the adventures have to, you know, admit to the crime of being white and cisgender mm-hmm. um, and then be hung mm-hmm. by his and neck. See, all my, all my favorite uh, Marvel characters become transgenderified. That's just yeah. like my worst absolute fear. Captain um, France? Who could forget? Like who Captain could forget France Captain France and uh, Iron Guy and Car Bomb? Like and all and of Bulk. these char- <laughs> characters are cis and white mm-hmm. and male, and like they contribute a lot to the mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah, this is like a real post from Reddit um, that we found. Yeah. It's really it's really scary. You know, yep. stay safe out there. This hap- happened to someone, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it happened to a real soy jack, and it could be you next. Um, speaking of scary real life things that are true that happen in real life, what do you think of the DSA? Um, I think the DSA is insufferable. Mm. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say scary to me specifically, but I could see it being scary to other people. I find um, it to be pretty scary. Um, and I think so does someone else based on this, um, real, real story that Mm -hmm. I found (laughs) on, uh, reddit.com. So (laughs) listeners stay safe out there. If you've ever been Mm -hmm. invited to a DSA general meeting, keep your eyes open, um, and, and keep this in mind before you go. Never attend a breakout session at a DSA general meeting. By Red Rose Emoji. Hey, r slash no sleep. So I'm sure a lot of you reading this are already familiar with the organization known as the Democratic Socialists of America, or the DSA. They came to national prominence during the 2016 Bernie Sanders campaign and have worked since then to build a diverse base of upper-middle-class college students who are really good at analyzing the feelings and priorities of the white working class. I know it sounds like I'm about to get political, but I promise you that I'm not. I actually really don't care about politics at all. I'm providing all of this as a preface for explaining my... How should I put this unforgettable experience at a DSA general interest meeting on Zoom. So, like I said, politics, not really my thing. To me, it just seems like there are two sides that are constantly yelling at each other and they hate each other. It's like sports, where there are just two teams and you pick one and root for them and then root against the other. I also hate sports. If you couldn't tell, I find it also primitive like a bunch of neanderthals who don't actually care about what's important in life but maybe i just don't like other people hell i've always been different you might be wondering why i would even have any interest in the dsa let alone attend a meeting well let me put it this way i'm a 20 year old college freshman who's a virgin i'm a gamer and an anime fan, so I have no chance with normie TikTok girls. As far as reactionary women go, well, they're all a bit traditional for me. 
The only women I truly desire and have a chance with are SoundCloud premium account holders and weird Twitter users. In other words, the ladies of the left. So, yeah, when school started in September and so much was still happening over Zoom, I was absolutely desperate to finally get freaking laid. I saw a post in a student Facebook group about a DSA general interest meeting where new students could sign up to canvas for Democrat candidates in the midterms as Bernie Sanders surrogates. Whatever it takes to meet some e-girls, I thought, as I submitted a Google Doc form which triggered an automated email which invited me to a signal chat in which I could submit an Airtable form to mark myself as attending and sign up to receive a Zoom meeting via WhatsApp. On the day of the meeting, I made sure to make myself as appealing as possible to the DSA girls in attendance. I wore a Soprano shirt with a black and white striped sleeve underneath. I put on an It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia hat. I even installed a fake septum piercing. I knew I would be irresistible. The meeting started with several land acknowledgments addressing the space that white folks take up in place of BIPOC individuals, followed by announcements from the Gamers Working Group, the Racism Unlearning Cadre, the George Soros Caucus, the Black Block Boat Dealership Ownership Caucus, and the Landlord Caucus. While the Gamers Working Group seemed appealing to me, the group that presented next took my breath away. The Etsy Witches Caucus was filled with the most beautiful alt-women I'd ever seen in my life. They looked like they could each be the star of a different Ben Shapiro Triggers college SJW YouTube video. One of them was ironically wearing a Tayo Cruz shirt. I knew that when it came time to set my display name to a specific number to be added to the breakout room that I wanted to attend, I would use the number associated with the Etsy Witches Caucus. The breakout session started in standard fashion. Names, pronouns, astrological sign, autism level, Gmail address, Venmo username, Twitter handle, Grubhub display name, and the icebreaker. What made you want to get involved with this caucus? I responded to the prompt as earnestly as I could without disclosing the fact that I was hoping to meet women. I said, well, I've always been made fun of by other guys for being a feminist. I guess it's like uncool to believe that women are inherently sexual creatures who want to fuck and be poly. And for some reason, they shouldn't be allowed to show their bodies and are forced to cover their breasts, which I personally find to be non-sexual organs. Furthermore, I think it's misogynistic to criticize witchcraft and astrology and satanic rituals. And I guess that makes me different from most men. So yeah, maybe being a male feminist makes me uncool, but it absolutely informs my approach to organizing as well as my understanding of socialism. I could tell that the women in the caucus had never heard a man speak so bravely in support of feminism before. They were definitely impressed. I was riding a wave of excitement at this point. However, this wave, as is the case with all waves in the ocean, 
would soon crash. And boy, would this wave in particular crash horrifically. At one point during the meeting, just after the guys in the group started discussing plans to organize Hooters waitresses, the energy just totally shifted. The vice president of the caucus introduced the next agenda item. Okay, now it's time for indoctrination and political education. I could feel my heart sinking into my stomach. Indoctrination? Political education? Had this just become Nazi fucking Germany? I should have known here that I was in over my head, but I just nodded and listened as the VP explained the process for sending an email to her to request access to a Google form, which would then return an automated email which a verification code, which could be entered into a second Google form, which would then automatically email out a link to a Slack chat where I could introduce myself in an intro channel to be added to a general chat where I could request to be added to a political education chat where I would receive a link to an Airtable form, which would then automatically send an email containing a .zip folder link which I could then torrent using uTorrent and open and read. After following these steps, I was able to download the political education document package. However, when I unzipped the folder, there was only one file in there, an executable called how underscore to underscore have underscore a underscore good underscore organizing underscore conversation exe. At this point, I hesitated and asked the Etsy witches, Hey, it's definitely safe for me to run this file, right? The vice president responded with a voice so sinister it sent chills up my spine. Of course it is, comrade. We would never do anything to hurt you. I swore I could see her devil her eyes begin to turn red like the devil's eyes. I can't explain to you what compelled me to double-click that file, but I regret it to this day with every fiber of my being. As soon as the executable activated, my screen went black and my computer restarted. Once the screen came on again, there was a single window opened with the heading End User Agreement. The text on the window read, Do you vow to build socialism through traditional electoral institutions? What the fuck is this? I thought as I clicked no. Just as I did that, my computer produced a screaming hiss that sounded like it was coming from all around. The screen started flashing red with black text reading, Wrong answer, wrong answer, wrong answer. This went on for what felt like 10 minutes until I decided, fuck it. I'm going to unplug my computer. I shut off the power strip that powers my computer components. But to my horror... The computer stayed on. What the fuck is going on? I screamed out loud. I'm not one to believe in paranormal events, but I have no idea how I could explain my computer staying on after I shut off its power source. As I rocked back and forth in my gamer chair trying to make sense of everything, I saw the prompt reappear on my screen. Do you vow to build socialism through elect traditional electoral institutions? I just decided to say fuck it and clicked yes, anything to make the flashing screen and blaring noise stop. In hindsight, this was maybe the worst thing I could have done. 
As soon as I clicked yes, my computer went to the desktop screen. However, everything was off. Most noticeably, my background was changed to a picture of Flyer's mascot, Gritty, holding a sign that said, Feed me, landlords, except for POC landlords who are allowed to be landlords. All of my desktop files had been replaced with Word docs and PDFs with titles like Navigating those tough Thanksgiving conversations about politics and How to racistly have a one-on-one with a white worker. Uh, situations where it's okay to call the cops and tips for canvassing in sketchy neighborhoods. No matter how many times I tried to delete these files, an error message would pop up reading, let's not make any hasty decisions, comrade. What may have been even more terrifying was when I tried to open Google Chrome. It immediately opened to my Twitter page where I saw that my display name had been changed to normal day haver, hashtag Bernie for Biden, rose emoji. This can't be happening, I thought, as I scrolled through my entire feed to see thousands of reply guy posts sent to Chapo Trap House, George Chicarello Maher, and various podcasters. No, 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 I screeched. I never made these posts. I needed to figure out how to make everything normal again and fast. I opened up Zoom and entered the meeting code and password, only to find, to my horror, that the meeting didn't exist anymore. How is that even possible? I realized after some time that there was absolutely nothing I could do. My life has been irreparably damaged by the DSA Etsy witches. They've all blocked me on Twitter, so I can't even try to DM them and ask them why they did this, or how. All I can do is go on living as a DSA Twitter guy. After all, elections are coming up. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a Medium post to write. This one is titled, Here's How I Think Bernie Can Still Win. spooky holy shit yeah you know what i changed my mind dsa meetings are scary that was that was really terrifying i think that i like am definitely scared by this story but i'm not fearful that this would ever happen to me because i don't think that the ladies of the left are Mm -hmm. that sexy like i i just i mean some of them yeah surely but it's like would I ever describe my type as like a TikTok Etsy witch? No. TikTok Etsy witch leftist. Yeah. Makes makes patches that say not queer as in happy gays and fuck you or whatever the hell. I would not go to a DSA meeting to pick up girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are the kind of person who's like thinking about like sexual mutual aid, you know, and you're like, I really want to pitch sexual mutual aid as a concept (laughs) to an audience of women um i hope that maybe this story has cautioned you off of doing that Mm -hmm. and maybe you can like not just not uh share that idea in case this happens to you yeah stay safe Mm -hmm. stay safe um you know i i got a story recently i got this email um from 
a uh, a person I may or may not know who uh, might happen to be a Kennedy. Um, it says, hey, Kendall, I know that you are doing a spooky story event on your podcast, um, and I wanted to tell you about um, this, you know, what I think is a slam poem that I found um, in an old building that I'm about to renovate and turn into uh, condos. Um, and it, I believe um, the um, place that this unnamed Kennedy um, is renovating um, happened to be a queer coffee shop. And I guess this was the last letter of whoever um, was there, you know? Uh, would, um, you, would you ever go to... To a queer coffee shop? I've been yeah. to a queer coffee shop. Um, oh, you do live in Portland, don't you? Yeah, but it, that the coffee shop I went to is in LA. Um, oh, worse. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> so it was... It was uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't go back. Um, you did and not you know, like I, the queer vibes there. No, I did not. And, you know, reading this story, it's kind of set me off from going to queer coffee shops altogether. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think I'm going to I'm going to start the 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 slam poem. Um, oh, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> don't I'm scared worry. I, I, won't, I won't do the slam poetry voice. Um, one second. <clears throat> The anatomy of the queer coffee shop is such that this analogy is less superficial than first it may seem. To carry it further, if we were to dissect a queer coffee shop as we might a human cadaver, we might find ourselves able to isolate and describe its various appendages and their functions in a decidedly anatomical fashion. There is even a number of direct comparisons to be drawn between those organs of the queer coffee shop and those of the human body. For example, let us examine the trauma-informed lounge, often the dominant space of a queer coffee shop at a ground level, as well as typically the center of activity in a well-populated queer collective. The trauma-informed lounge is very much the heart of the shop. While a human heart circulates blood to oxygenate the body's extremities, the trauma-informed lounge circulates people, activity, communication. It is the room most often found beating, as an active and vivacious as its name would imply. The comparison is only strengthened when we consider also the trauma-informed lounge is most commonly the room to contain the overused, frayed iPhone charger, making it additionally a locus of actual physical heat. Lay your head on the old, cracked leather couch between the thrumming beat of your eardrums. You can barely hear the whispers of piggybacking off of that. And the reason I ghosted you is because I have past conflict with Scorpios, and while you are a Libra, your tone triggered those memories for me. It is easy to think of the kitchen and the pickup counter as the stomach or digestive system of the house, though this comparison is tenuous, particularly given that the stomach and digestive system are one united form, and the owner of the queer coffee shop usually works against unionization between the front and backroom staff. In contrast, the function in analog of a gender-neutral bathroom should be immediately obvious. The hallways and corridors of a shop are its veins, providing circulation coursing through its frame. 
a staircase up to the illegally renovated rooftop deck bears more than a passing resemblance both physically and symbolically to a spine. The windows serve as much of a purpose as eyes, and anyone who has rounded a bend or a long drive and comes suddenly face to face with a tall, pale, rail-thin, non-binary regular named Rocco will tell you that it is difficult to shake the impression that the shop through its lightless windows, is a creature capable of delusions and well-intentioned misery. The manager's office is perhaps the room that most eludes direct comparison in this fashion. At a stretch, and allowing for a bit of poetic sympathy, it might be said that the manager's office is not unlike the human mind, or those parts that dictate thought and imagination. In the manager's office, dreams are dreamt, passions are ignited, and epiphanies are experienced in cold sweat at early hours. In the manager's office is where people invariably spend the majority of their time, through comparatively, though comparatively little of it, whilst not either being fired with toothless grins or on the phone with their mother-slash-landlord-slash-mystery-investor. And yet this analogy is an incomplete one. Obviously, the mind is an exceedingly complex thing, but the manager's office represents the thinking, dreaming part of the brain, and it is the basement that represents the lower, unconscious parts. The basement is dark, it is buried, it is a place full of cobwebs, discards from the ceramic dildo-making seminar, old ukuleles, and confiscated bottles of poppers, where the memories are stored. A point of comparison, truly. Often, the unnerving uncertainty that comes with considering the deeper aspects of the human psyche is not unlike gazing down at the swimming blackness pooled at the bottom of the basement stairwell. It is a place where we spend our queer semi-adulthoods filled with monsters that will lay for years in patient silence. It is a place that, barring some specific errand to retrieve sourdough starter for the community fridge, we seldom ever want to go. Of course, this comparison, though appropriate, is a very heavy-handed one, Often the basement is little more than a storage space littered with corpses of spiders and drag queens' hair tracks. While poets and psychoanalysts no doubt dread the thought of a dark basement, in truth, it is the manager's office, the waking mind, the place that dreams, which is actually the most frightening of all. It is here in the manager's office that we are the most vulnerable. Each business day, we shed our senses to the world for hours at a time, trusting in the queer coffee shop to keep us safe until we clock out. In this state of extreme vulnerability, we will spend something like 20% of our lives, anything, any them that might stand between, anything, any them that might stand beside us, watch us, keep us company until dawn, and we would never perceive it. We can only pray that the, co that the coffee shop will not let such things carry on while we sleep. In this way, during these hours, the manager's office seems less like a mind and more like a mouth. For it is here that the shop is most likely to betray us. It is here we place ourselves at the shop's mercy and spend each night hoping it will not bite down. What happens to the queer collective coffee shop when it is left alone? It becomes worn and aged and its paint peels and the foundations begin to sink. It goes too long unlived in. What does it think of? What does it dream? How does it regard the they themenins who built it? What green-haired trust fund child brought it into existence only to abandon it when its usefulness no longer satisfies them? It may grow lonesome. It may stare for long hours into the darkness and empty halls and see shadows. Its gluten-free granola grows long hairs of mold. 
in the fridge. Its heart may jump as it thinks, here, here is someone again. I am not alone. Maybe they'll host a socialist knitting circle or a popcorn reading of the works of Robin D'Angelo. Each time it is wrong and the hunt starts over. Each time it is wrong and the hurt starts over. It may haunt itself, inventing ghosts of butch lesbians to walk its floors, the echoes of their carabiners bouncing off the walls, making friends with the trans cat girl shadow puppets within the halo of an old ring light, laughing and whispering to itself at the end of some quiet, once bustling main street in a mid-sized city. It may grow angry. The basement may fill with churning acid like an empty stomach, and its gorge may rise as it asks itself through clenched teeth, did I do something? problematic it may grow bitter it may grow hungry so hungry and so bitter that its scruples dissolve and the doors unlock themselves while a queer coffee shop may hunger it cannot starve the pre-made bulk delivery of brand muffins makes sure of that and so in a fever of anger and loneliness it may simply lie in wait doors open discourse ready hair dye dripping shades drawn hallways empty hungry Wow. Hmm. I feel like poetry is fundamentally frightening. Um, you know, like poetry <laughs> is a... You know, and, and to me, when I look at this, I feel like it's a little derivative of, um, you know, uh, an indie horror game by a trans woman. Um, but, you know, um, mm-hmm. I could just be imagining things. You are I think often I just, imagining I just could be things, having and that's some kind not of, me gaslighting you know, because you're too smart to get mm-hmm. gaslit. But basically, everything <laughs> that you've ever said to me is like not really a reflection of reality. And I think that like your perception mm-hmm. is just uh, like categorically off, and that you should maybe let me dictate to you what is real and what is not. Mm-hmm. But I was that was okay. pretty spooky. <laughs> What's um? What do you? What did you find a derivative yeah. of? What was the name of that game? Um, I think it was Anatomy. Funnily enough, I think the title on this, um, from the scan that the unnamed Kennedy sent me, it was Anat Them Me. So, I think that yeah, I'm. I'm. My suspicions might be mm. correct. Well, I have a scary story. I think a bit related maybe to what what you just shared mm-hmm. uh, maybe not in like tone but perhaps in in theme um this one i found from a uh, facebook group for asexuals um again totally real real post that i did find um and I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'll, I'm going to read this one aloud to us, and maybe maybe you'll tell me mm-hmm. if this rings true to you through your experience in Portland. So this one goes... Okay. I just wanted to introduce myself and thank the mods of Valid Asexual Small Beans Posting for letting me into this Facebook group. 
I've been feeling very lonely this past year, and I'm excited to have a community that I can share my thoughts and struggles with. My name is Drone. I use she slash they pronouns, and to be completely honest, I'm not sure I'm a real asexual. I used to desire sex pretty often, in fact. I was even an active member of my local Portland kink community. But I can say for the past year that with absolute certainty, I have had zero interest in sex whatsoever, and I don't think I ever will again. I guess that makes me asexual, but I have to say that this disinterest wasn't brought on by natural causes, or, or, and it wasn't brought on spontaneously. No, in fact, the causes were very unnatural. Here's what happened to me. I used to work at Portland's premier feminist sex shop called Her Majesty's Throne. We sold all the normal things that sex shops would have, but it was feminist because we had signs everywhere saying consent is sexy and no means no, and we referred to all of our customers as penis haver and vulva owner, which people found generally empowering. Anyway, I was restocking our butt plug section for the anus possessors when one of our regular customers came in. This is someone who's semi-famous, so I'm going to ask all of you to please keep this between yourself and no screenshots, please. It was none other than Matthew Nolan. If that name isn't ringing a bell, well, he's husband to the creator of Ojoy Sex Toy, Erica Moen. Erica Moen is something of a Portland legend. After all, it's not like just anyone can run a webcomic, let alone a highly successful one. She's also a fixture at Portland Pride, where she and her husband can be found catcalling slurs at some of the people in the parade. People love her. And the owner of the sex store very much loved her and her wallet. She was great for business. Just one review of a vibrator where she said, I loved the way this rumbled on my cunt. Caused our online stock to sell out overnight. And we frequently had visitors travel from pretty far just to check out the store that Erica calls her favorite. So whenever she or her husband Matt, who also contributes to the comic, come to the store, it's on all of us to be on our very best behavior. A coworker of mine was once fired because she told him, I think trans men are so cool and sexy and I love their sexy little weirdo bodies. And I guess it made him uncomfortable, so he told her as much and it hurt Erica's feelings that he would say that to her um, and that he didn't appreciate the compliment. And so she went to my manager about it who let him go over some scheduling reason that seemed to be related. All this to say, I got a little bit nervous when Matt approached me for assistance. How can I help you? I asked. Oh, I'm just looking for something to review for the comic. Our engagement has gone down in the past few years. That whole cucking incident, and Erica asked me to come back with something exotic. I gave a nervous laugh. I'm not sure what your threshold for exotic is, but we just got in a new, uh, a new stock of these ovipositors that let you put your eggs in, well, like any hole, and then you can birth them out. Hmm. No, I don't think that's quite right, he said Britishly. Well, what about a latex body cover? You lie it down, and it compresses your whole body, and your partner can slowly remove more and more air. Hmm. No, I don't want to let 
Eric can have that power as he continued wandering around the store when he finally caught the, found something that caught his eye. Aha! This would be perfect for our readers. It was a four foot seven, buxom blonde robot with bright blue eyes and a full lipped mouth packaged in a box that said, Meet Alabama. Depth of vagina, 6.7 inches. Depth of anus, 6.7 inches. Depth of mouth, 5.1 inches. We had a few of these, um, things in stock, I think mainly for the novelty of it, but to date, hadn't sold any to uh, any of our customers. I once made the mistake of asking my boss how fuckable robots consider, uh, resembling inanimate women could be considered feminist. And she told me that uh, giving lonely sexist men something to occupy their time with, they wouldn't bother women as much. That seemed to be true to me, so I left it alone. I'll take her. But as Matt said this, he went to pick up the box and his knees buckled under him. She? I asked. Because it was a robot. She weighs 84 pounds. You might need some help carrying her. I said. Oh no, but I walked here. <laughs> I stared at him as he struggled to drag the box on the floor. Matt did not need to pay for products. Everything he got from the store was given to him and Erica for free. When suddenly the doll's eyes did something to me. They flashed a brighter blue. And I suddenly felt scared from the eye color, but also compelled to offer my help. I can help you carry her, I said. Why did I say this? I really couldn't tell you, even now. Matt and I picked up Alabama's box from both ends and struggled our way to his home. I have to say, it was not what I expected. I thought there might be sex-themed art and an overall kind of cozy vibe to the furniture, but the walls were instead plastered from ceiling to floor with prints from the Ojoy Sex Toy comics. I was surrounded by the depictions of vaginas and penises and a lot of sexy furry stuff. I'm not anti-furry, by the way. I know that they are an important part of the asexual community. It was just surprising to see. Anyway, once we were inside, I was greeted by none other than the legend Erica herself. For those of you who don't know what she looks like, Erica is a short, thin, white woman with a mostly shaved head except for a dyed pink coif that she has on top. Immediately upon seeing Alabama, Erica began giggling, and it seemed like she couldn't make herself stop. Oh, Matt, this is perfect! She ripped Alabama out of the box, and as she emerged, my whole body began to shiver. Something was very wrong about what was happening, but I couldn't bring myself to speak up. Erica was stroking Alabama's skin, saying something about how wonderfully skin-like it feels, and she pulled out the attached orifice heater to put batteries in Alabama, just generally getting herself very worked up about the whole thing. At this point, I think Matt, even though he was the one that picked Alabama out, was starting to express the same apprehension that I felt. I think the vibes coming off of Alabama were just ominous. Matt said, Erica, I'm not actually sure this is such a good idea. It's not too late for me to bring her back and go to the store and maybe get like a um egg depositor or something. We put put some eggs up in our in our assholes. Uh, and Erica crossed her arm and stamped her feet and said, Matt, 
are you a professional masturbator or what? And he said, I am, but this is just making me feel so uncomfortable. Erica said, you're going to have so much fun. Do it for me. Do it for our readers. Do it for content. It was clear that Erica was not going to take no for an answer. Matt let out a sigh and agreed. For anyone who's still wondering, I'm not really sure why I was still in this house, but it seemed like neither of them were paying attention to my presence, and I felt so paralyzed with this unexplainable dread that I couldn't move. When Matt moved to pick up Alabama, he was still struggling. I felt again her eyes glower at me, and you just have to believe me that this happened. Her mouth moved. I heard her whisper to me, You'll pay for what you've done to me once I'm activated. You should have read Intercourse by Andrea Dworkin. What did she mean? Who is Andrea Dworkin? I didn't do anything to her, except help Matt bring her to his house. But that's not on me. That's on him. And she's a sex doll, after all. This is what she was made for. What did she mean by activated? Did anyone hear that? Hear what? Erica asked, as Matt was helplessly dragging Alabama to their living room by her hair. Oh, uh, who are you, by the way? I'm Drone, I said. Your pronouns? Erica tapped her foot while she waited for my answer. Um, she, they? Very good. Well, my name is... Actually, I'm being a silly chuckle fuck. I don't need to introduce myself. Best you get going now. Ta-ta, thanks for your help. I moved down the hallway, trying not to look too closely at any of the comic prints on the wall. The ones that looked kind of funny now looked... ominous. I needed to get out of there. I didn't want to learn what activated meant, nor what would happen to me when she was. Alas, I was too late. Whatever activated was, it was done. And how Alabama decided to make me pay? Well, it was horrifying. I was swiftly transported into one of the comic panels. This one was about two furries explaining polyamory to each other, and then a third furry arrived. Not too bad. Before I knew it, I was transported to the next comic panel. Inside this one, I was attending a kink-themed dinner party. Oh, but the next one... The next one... It was just so awful I shudder trying to explain it now. I lived inside this comic where there were dogs, humanoid dogs, on a bed, and they were hissing in each other's mouths. Uh, it was so bad, I'm, just, I'm getting the shakes just thinking about it. Each subsequent panel I was transported to was worse than the one before. I had to listen to some man yell, Shut the fuck up, John, I'm going to fuck your wife now, and then I watched a very lifelike Erica do a try on a number of packers and pretend to do very creepy things with her, her pretend dick to her husband. I felt like this horror was going to last ages, and in a way it did because many of these vignettes have stuck with me, and I no longer feel like the person I once was. It felt like I was sucked inside these comics for years, but this whole ordeal lasted for actually about a month. A whole month of sucking and cum and Erica putting sponges in her vagina. My salvation came when Matt decided he didn't want to live with a naked sex doll in his house anymore. Alabama was apparently just plopped on their couch this whole month with no clothes, 
or even her wig on. Erica found it amusing. Once she was out of their house, I rematerialized in their hallway from out of the comic prints. I know this sounds too crazy to be true, but it is. I even have proof I was gone for a month. See, my hair is dyed a shade of mint green, and half of it is shaved. Um, and when I arrived back in the hallway, my roots had grown out considerably, and my shade side had grown about an inch of new hair. Of course, I couldn't tell my work anything about this, and after my first call no-show, I was fired. It took some time, but eventually I found a new job at a feminist weed dispensary. But ever since then, I've had absolutely no interest in sex. I guess I'm asexual now. Hopefully you can understand why. Does this make me asexual? I'm still not sure. But I know I want no part of sex ever again, and I'm happy to have a community to talk with about how absolutely nasty it is. And for anyone who's wondering, Alabama was sold to a fan of Ojoy Sex Toy. I've tried to find out more about this fan to see if they're okay, but Matt wouldn't give me their name. If anyone you know has bought Alabama, please warn them. They're not safe. I just picked up the cover, a copy of Intercourse by Andrea Dworkin, and maybe I'll get to the bottom of why this happened. Wow. Wow. I would say that is accurate to my Portland experience. Which I part? have definitely um, well, I've definitely been, you know, haunted by Erica Moen several times. I've never confronted her directly, but I, I have felt her pres her ghostly lube co covered presence um, in many in many a sex mm. shop and queer collective. Um, I guess the moral of this story is to read Dworkin. Yeah, um, and maybe listen to a yeah. certain series called My Year of Not Sucking mm. or Fucking, which you can find on mm -hmm. uh, patreon.com uh, slash bigstorynaturals if you're, like, not yeah. into reading and you want to go through the chapters, like, uh, chapter by chapter. Line by line, yeah, maybe? Mm. Yeah, $5 a month, and then you won't be haunted mm -hmm. by a sex doll, so... Mm -hmm. Not actually, maybe not a scary story if you do the right thing. Yeah. Would you um have you ever yeah. been to a, a feminist sex shop? Um, I have. Um, their prices were decent. <laughs> <laughs> would you? Would you? Um, that's really all I can say about maybe it. Maybe <laughs> want to like auction off um an ovipositor to our fans. <sighs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Do the do the pay piggies want to lay some eggs? <laughs> I, Send, I bet they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Um, like what we're we're gonna create an Instagram post and we'll create a whole giveaway. Um, whether or not we'll fulfill that giveaway is another story. Um, but <laughs> maybe an ovipositor should uh, sponsor us, and then we'll do a giveaway. Mm -hmm. Well, so the last um spooky story that I have to share um, is, is mm -hmm. ripped from the video diary that um, I made into a transcript from a famous TikToker. I'm not going to name them, um, mm -hmm. but maybe okay. like with context clues, there's some other people named, like you, you should maybe be figuring it out. Um, mm -hmm. But it's allegedly, 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 you know, yeah, but <laughs> So, um, hmm. how do I begin this? It says, 
tell me you own a cursed ring light without telling me you own a cursed ring light. Okay, so, like, 2020 was so crazy. Like, it was actually insane. Like, cottage corn was kind of cute. But the strawberry dress was out of stock when I tried to buy one. And then I had to wait, like, four to five weeks to get it made and mailed to me, which obviously was not acceptable. And the dupe that I got off Shein did not fit right, so I completely missed the trend. Also, my torso is kind of short. So all those upper body dances getting really complicated was making it difficult for me to grow my followers because they just don't look right. Not to mention, I do have ADHD. So I really don't have the attention span to learn more than three or four steps of choreography. Basically, quarantine was not cute for me. And at the time, it was really getting in the way of my career as a travel YouTuber. I used to go to foreign countries, places like Asia, and you know, like Latin America mostly, and I would film myself buying different foods, pulling faces to show everyone how shocked and weirded out I am by the weird textures and flavor combinations. I had 10,000 followers, not a lot um, from where I am now, but at the time, I had just gotten a fun fit fab sponsorship, and I really didn't know what I was going to do to keep my engagements up, let alone have an even bigger platform. People were dying too, I know, I know. But it's not like I could do anything about that, so don't act like I'm fucking heartless for caring about myself. But I should have known that lockdown wasn't going to be the end for me. After all, I write down daily manifestations in my journal to unlock my soul's true potential, and what I manifest always comes true. My manifestations usually go like, I am a billionaire. There is an abundance of green smoothies in my future. I have more followers than Stassi Baby. I do not need to get more lip filler. It is okay that my torso is really short. I blew the fuck up on TikTok, of course. I love short form video. It's so easy and fun to be creative. What I started up doing was going on this website that my older sister used to use when she was young, she's like 27 now, called tumblr.com. And I would copy text posts on there and I would read them out as jokes while dancing in front of the camera. But where I really started to find my niche is through astrology. I'm actually not really an astrology girl, like not more than anyone else's. I am a Sagittarius. Um, if I'm being totally honest, when I think about what I truly believe, immediately that song, How Great Is Our God, that we used to sing at church when I was a kid, will start playing in my head. I guess I just think Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior who died on earth to forgive us for our sins. I wish I was born Catholic and not Methodist because Catholicism is really good for engagement right now, but it's like the strawberry dress thing all over again because you have to go to like Catholic school, like church school, for a whole year to convert. I'm pretty deep into the astrology thing now, so that probably wouldn't be good for my brand unless I could find a way to combine Catholicism and astrology, which rather than thinking about it, honestly would do such numbers if I could make that work. But I'm not really that creative. My first entries into the astro world mostly involved doing like what I was doing with the Tumblr post, but this time I was slightly changing the wording of tweets while reading them aloud um, as I wore low-rise jeans mostly. I took a lot from this person at um, Air Temid Ilac, but I think she caught on to me because eventually her account went private, which was kind of rude in my opinion. It wasn't like she was making content herself, she was just doing paid readings. I was afraid I was going to get found out, 
It was not too long after making a video about the signs as different outfits you can buy from Dollsville that I hit 50k followers, so I stopped curving tweets and pivoted to slightly more original content. The problem was that I don't really know a lot, and I don't exactly have time to read any books to make more content, so I just started making stuff up. I wasn't lying exactly, I would make a video about what Aries are like, and I would just describe one of my friends that was an Aries. As long as I had cute makeup on and a good outfit, it usually went well, and I had cultivated enough of what, you know, what do they call them, parasocial relationships, that anytime some loser tried to call me out for being wrong, they'd get silenced by one of my fans. Once I got to 100k, well, that was when my life changed, because that was when Garrett Hawk, no relation to Tony Hawk as far as I know, and I met. Garrett Hawk is like, what if Noah Beck and Machine Gun Kelly were one guy? He's so sexy. I can still acknowledge that now. He had 800,000 followers when I had only 100, so I was surprised that he reached out to me. No one likes to admit to being shallow, but I wouldn't want to date a guy with only 2,000 followers, even if he looks like Justin Bieber. And Garrett Hawk looks even better than Justin Bieber. Meanwhile, my torso is too short to pull off most TikTok dances. Here's a little of how our first conversation went over Instagram DM. Hey, this is from Garrett. Oh, hey, from me. What are you doing tonight? Maybe going to Saddle Ranch, you? Nice. Maybe I'll see you there. After that, it was history. Garrett Hawk is more than just a hot guy with abs who can lip sync with Khalifa songs while swiveling his hips. He's also an entrepreneur. I don't care that much about politics, although obviously hashtag Black Lives Matter, hashtag love is love, but Garrett put me on to understanding the free market and convinced me that taxation is theft. And that's basically how I got into cryptocurrency. We really do need a decentralized currency away from the prying eyes of the federal government. It's, like, pretty obvious when you think about it. Also, seasetting is kind of dope. Cryptocurrency was a natural fit for me as an astrologer. I made all kinds of predictions, and to be honest, since cryptocurrency was doing pretty well in 2021, I wasn't really leading anyone astray. Um, Garrett Hawk got sponsored by Banana Coin, and I started telling everyone that if you had a cardinal, mut mutable, or fixed rising sign, that you should invest in Banana Coin. I didn't have to disclose anything, because it wasn't like I was the one sponsored by it. I was just another investor, and no one connected me to Garrett Hawk's sponsorship deal, because he said we should keep our relationship a secret until I hit 600,000 followers. I felt like all of my manifestations were really coming true. That is, until I got a really freaky letter in the P.O. box I set up for my fans. It read, Hey girl, love your content, but your lighting has been kind of whack lately and your energy seems way off. We got you this ring light to boost your self-directed game. Hopes this helps with the positivity-only vibes. By the way, your boyfriend, allegedly your so-called boyfriend, he is cheating on you with the founder of Banana Coin, Addison Ray and Corey Kennedy. He and Cerise, the founder of Banana Coin, are just using you to boost Banana Coin's value. Love and Light, Anonymous, aka The Empowerer, 
her, me empower her, don't know how to pronounce that. In the letter, they attached a number of pictures and printed out screenshots confirming Garrett Hawk's infidelity. I was hurt. Addison's torso is basically the same length as mine. Corey Kennedy is old as hell, and I can't even begin to address my problems with the banana coin founder. Not only did this news break my fucking heart, I couldn't even leak it to, like, Barstool Sports or Anna Oop or something to earn myself some heartbreak clout because Garrett told me that we had to keep our relationship a secret, so I had no evidence we were ever exclusive. Getting a free ring light was pretty sweet, though. I plugged it into my wall and turned it on, and there was a huge burst of light, and out stepped this glowing figure who looked like... Trisha Paytas? Trisha? I said. No, said the figure. Well, you look like Trisha Paytas. I am 3,000 years old. Trisha Paytas took that form because of me. Okay, I replied. You get three wishes. But each, each comes with a really fucked up catch that will make you upset, said the ring light Trisha Paytas looking demon. Um, why would I take the wishes then? Why would you tell me that they come with the catch? That seems bad. I believe in radical honesty. You can wish for literally anything though, and maybe the catch will be something you don't mind, with, uh, mind dealing with that badly. I don't know. You should see. Okay, fair enough, I said. My first wish is to have more followers on Instagram than Stassi Baby. Done! I checked my phone and saw that I had gained over 2 million followers, but the catch is kind of obvious. So many of them were bots. Well, whatever, I would still have something to share with advertisers. If this is how these catches work, it's fine, I can deal with that. Next, I want a slightly longer torso. I said slightly because I knew and if I just said that I wanted a longer torso, I would end up looking like a piece of saltwater taffy. No way. Done. Lo and behold, my torso is slightly longer, and there are no other changes to my body either. It seems like I had escaped the catch on this one, but I had to ask, did this do anything bad to me? The entity said, it shortened your life in half. You will die on your 43rd birthday, December 13th. What? That's not even related. That's fucked up, I said. You didn't specify. Trish, why would I think to specify that I don't want my life to be cut in half? Well, one thing got longer, something else got shorter, and my name isn't Trish. Ugh, 43 is so old anyway. I guess I'll miss on my chance to be a real housewife, but I will save a lot of money on filler. You're taking this remarkably well, the entity said. I'm an influencer. I'm used to disappointment. Okay, last wish. I want my terrible ex-boyfriend Garrett Hawk to be punished for cheating on me with Cerise, the founder of Banana Coin. The not Trisha Paytas entity clapped its hands together and produced Garrett Hawk himself in my LED light stripped laddened bedroom. Hey baby, WYD, he said. How did I get here? The next thing the not Trisha entity did was wave its hands around in the air like a lasso, which created a burst of light that wrapped around Garrett and swirled around his body until he became one with the swirls itself and then was pushed into my MacBook screen. He was gone. Where did he go? I asked. He's in the blockchain now. And then not Trisha vanished. 
I opened my TikTok app, and I was surprised to see a video of myself that I never recorded, or at least I never remember recording. And in the video, I was announcing that I was auctioning off Garrett Hawk himself as an NFT to the tune of $400,000, where he would really be living forever. But the catch? It was all through banana coin. I was giving that damn Cerise more clout. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't know if you could guess who that is from this. <laughs> I am I am denying the allegations that hmm. I have ever had dalliances with. Yeah, a I was about voice. to I was about to say, how do you how do you respond to that? What's this, what's your iOS press release <laughs> on that front? I I would not ever have an entanglement with an e-boy unless Fair. unless I could get a lot of cloud out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not confirming if this happened or, or not. Denying. Yeah, I feel like uh-huh. if I was uh, fucking an e-boy, like there would be an age gap issue. I guess the moral the moral of the story of this one is, um, you have all powerful entities at your disposal, and people should not fuck with you allegedly. Yeah, and I think that the other yeah. moral is like. You can use cryptocurrency for feminism, mm-hmm. and you could also yeah. use it for revenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those two things can coexist. Yeah. Um, Cerise, I had something pretty spooky happen to me today. Oh, no. Um. Yeah. Um. Do you know how, like, when you go on Reddit, you'll see those really the, those true stories about um someone's like old video game getting possessed. Yeah, I think so. Does that really happen? I think that, yeah, and it does very often. At least, at least it happens to redditors, and um, I think that might have happened to me today. But with like um, my podcasting software, because oh, wow. I was editing, I was editing the podcast, and um, all of a sudden, it's just like everything was like glitching. It was not going right, and then the whole computer crashed. And then as it was starting up, I just saw this like ghostly image of like jackie kennedy eating sheet metal Ooh. and like her whole face was bleeding it was really really scary um and she had like super super black spooky eyes and and like like there was blood running down them and everything it looks kind of like a, like like a spooky video game do you feel like really did she you know resemble you in any way since that is allegedly one of your ancestors well, I mean, I couldn't tell if it was that she resembled me or I was seeing my reflection in the computer screen. But either way, mm. I was like, really, I, I felt like, wow, that's some really um, scary symbolism yeah, that I'm seeing it, here, unintentional or no. So and then after that, like Jackie Kennedy. Yeah, it was it was, it was really scary. And then after that, um, I opened my my podcast. I, I opened the software for podcasting. I opened Audacity and um, there was just this file there. Um, this audio file. Um, and it, you know, it, it kind of sounds like me, but like if they were still a theater kid, mm, um, okay. I think we should take a listen. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. It's 8 p.m. and there's ooze from the new stump where Bertha's leg used to be. Mama hands me the foot. Throw this in the garbage while I put some lemon juice on this thing. The cigarette ash is falling out of her mouth as she speaks. It almost falls on Bertha, 
before she grabs a tray and spits it out. And stop crying. We don't waste food just because you think it's a goddamn pet. I wipe the mixture of phlegm and tears off my face and I walk to the door. On the TV, Nixon is talking about resigning. Mama says he's a royal dickhead. I like his nose. It looks like someone punched him square in the face. It's pretty funny. I open the door to the shed and lift the garbage can lid up to throw the claw away. I feel a sting and stumble back. The claw scratched my hand. It's a deep cut, but nothing that will need stitches. I'm suddenly enveloped in this wave of euphoria. My insides rattle as I observe the claw with a closer eye. It's bright yellow. Even in the alley at night, its three talons are curled into an attack position. It's a fearsome neon sign. I nearly begin to cry. She's so beautiful. I put her back in my pocket and run upstairs. I tremble the whole night through dinner and TV time. Mama thinks I look pale. She asks if I got the shakes again. I say I'm not really sure, but I don't think so this time. Mama tells me to go to bed early. I climb under my blankets, putting Bertha on the nightstand. She is backlit by the moon and turns bright gold. I smile as my eyes close. An angel has been set to protect me. It's 10 a.m. and I'm finally able to reach the highest shelf in the library. Mrs. Frederick says I've grown faster than a sunflower in a flood. Mrs. Fredericks unnerves me. She smells like cough drops, and I can always hear her wheezy, gasping breath no matter where I go between the shelves. I'm not scared, though. Bertha still lives in my pocket. I walk out to the back of the building and smoke one of Mama's stolen camel lights. It's 98 degrees today in Waco. My taint is drenched by the time I take my first puff. The cigarettes help with the shakes, but they don't cure it the way Bertha does. I can feel her poke in my thigh. She's not happy to be neglected, but I have to keep her a secret, you understand? Jacob Martinez already knows from the time he saw me with her in the back hallway and got even madder from how Bertha scratched his face. He keeps calling me Tweety Bird in front of the other kids. They can't understand. They can't understand how she protects me. Reverend Jim says angels come in the form of humans so as to be comforting. Maybe I'm not human. Maybe the scaly, dry patches on my back are indicative of one of my great-granddaddies somewhere down the line. Maybe he also fell in love with a beautiful claw, or a pair of outstretched wings, or a singing beak. I do not know. All I know is that Bertha is holy, if not holier, than Jesus Christ himself. A shadow passes over my head. I squint and a sparrow lands at my feet, pecking at the newly laid grass seed. I find myself thinking if I could just will it hard enough, I could convince Sparrow to carry me and Bertha far beyond the acacia trees and the water tower and maybe even the Pacific Ocean. I take one step, and before I can even get into my speech, Sparrow is gone. I think about crying as I take another inhale. I stuff my hands into my jeans and hold Bertha till I bleed. I know she's thinking the same thing. Ridiculous. Sparrow can never hold both of us on his back anyway. 
I throw my butt on the ground and head back inside. It's 9 p.m. and Susan Littlefield recognizes me in a bar. She says she remembers me from middle school. You used to have all those weird shakes and you had that funny nickname, something to do with birds or something. Her face scrunches up and the freckles on her nose form a tan continent, just like I remember. We dance for an hour. Her red hair whips me in my face and catches in my mouth, but I don't care. It tastes like strawberry shampoo. I don't get the shakes once. Susan orders a cold beer and we talk about life. I mention that I'm writing an op-ed for the local paper now. She's selling real estate in Temple on account of that bastard and his little commie compound making the place a ghost town. I tell her I'm not a ghost. At least, I don't think so. She laughs. I don't understand. A little while later, her hand is slipping down my thigh. I look at her blush pink nails and say they look sharp. Susan says her nails have many uses. She asks if I want to get out of here and I can feel my hands start to vibrate. I ask why, considering I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time at this bar with her. I'll give you a hand, she says. She slides her hand into my pocket and Bertha attacks. Ow! What the shit was that? I look at Susan and all I see is red, 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 red fingers, red hair, red face, red sinew, red veins, red gums. I'm shaking so violently now. I spill my drink on my shirt in a spasm and mumble an apology before running home. I take Bertha out of my pocket and I slam her down on the nightstand. I do not speak to her. Not while I'm undressing, not while I put my clothes in the hamper, not while I shower. It's not until I come out of the bathroom and I face her that I understand. She shriveled a bit now. Her talons are flaking and her fingers droop, but she's as yellow as ever. She was just protecting me. Susan would have always come in second. Susan wouldn't have taken away the shakes. I can't stay mad at you. That night, Bertha scratches my chest all night while I stroke my cock. We fall asleep as the sun rises. It's 11.59 p.m. and Dick Clark is on the TV. He's wearing funny-looking glasses and talking about how the people hiding in their bunkers are missing a hell of a party. Bertha is sitting next to me on the couch. Her neon skin has turned brown, except for patches of fighting yellow here and there. She lost all her talons, except for the nub left on her golden middle finger. I stroke her, and she's dry, so dry. My protector is running out of time. You look as beautiful as the day we met. I use her last nub to scratch my chest one more time. I dig, and I dig deep, deep until her... Touches my heart, and I think about what would have happened if Mama had chosen another chicken for dinner. Would we have still met? Would I find another love? <laughs> another protector. Six, five, four, the TV screams, and my angel cracks in half. A new millennium. The computers stay online, the people crawl out of their bunkers. Heads hung low in shame, while I look towards the sky, and Bertha finally reaches the Pacific. 
without me. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is so scary, and it does make me kind of quiver in in my boots. I'm shaking in fear, thinking about. I'd be insufferable. Well, what That's what I think. I'd be really, really uh, scary to be around on the stage and scream. Um, yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, totally different, completely <laughs> not the same. Um, but yeah, that was really spooky. I hope. Um, totally different. Thing. I hope I don't like you know this isn't like the ring you know where like I, all of a sudden I just have some girl with like really long hair um, with split ends uh, come and like try to like haunt me or possess mm -hmm. me or whatever. Um, um, I think the moral is. Um, sometimes there are little, there are little gross a, guys in the world there. and we have to coexist with those little gross guys. And sometimes those guys are named Kendall, they're named me, they're me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to coexist with me. Welcome sometimes to my twisted mind, funny. twisted fucking psychopath. Um, mm -hmm. so I think... <laughs> You are a fucking psychopath. And I find that the best way that, mm -hmm. that um, works for me to coexist with you is by going to www.bigstorynaturals.world. Yeah, leaving um, us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Social medias, hitting follow on all of them, and then mm -hmm. going to. Yeah, and. Yeah. Going to Patreon yeah, and I think that's the best way to connect with us in this in this trying and very scary spooky time. Thank like you so much, everybody, more. for listening. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.
yeah, we will meet on the astral plane someday, and hopefully it will not be in yeah, the haunted Halloween. queer coffee shop or the in, within realm. the body of Erica Moen's sex toy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want me to haunt yeah. you, then I'll I make die. Um, I'll take all um, of your empty monster en- energy can sure drinks because I know I know you have um, those. I know you have monster energy drink cans, and I will st- no 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 the person who's listening as a ghost. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying I'm saying the people who are listening to this. Me? I know I know they drink monster energy, and I'm taking okay. all of your empty cans and I'm going to stack them into beverages. the shape of a penis. It's going to be really hilarious. You're going to have a great time. Um, yeah, that's what's going to happen when I die. Um, if you give me $5, um, yeah, bye. Around. Instead of swings, I swear I can hear music in the air. The smell of cakes and pies are absolutely.